This is Aspiring Altruists, the show where you'll hear the stories of young professionals in the nonprofit sector working to change the world. We'll dive into their backgrounds, hear about the work they do, and ultimately learn how they got to where they are and how you can do the same. With the nonprofit sector comprising one of the largest U.S. workforces by tackling the world's biggest problems across nine major categories, you may just hear something that could change your life, and through it, the lives of countless others. On today's show, we're going to be hearing from a man I met at the beginning of this year, Desmond Jordan. Desmond is a global peace builder, working as a senior program assistant for the U.S. Institute of Peace. As a part of this role, he implements international programs to convene civil society practitioners to share their country's perspectives on pressing global issues. This often involves workshops and overall working with field experts, ambassadors, and other distinguished professionals. He also does a bit of journalism work, both personal and professional, writing for an online foreign policy journal. But that's enough for me. Let's go ahead and hear from him. So, Desmond, tell me how you got started in the work that you're doing. Talk me through your path. Tell us all a little bit about the actual work you do, things along those lines. Sure. So I basically began my journey at George Mason University. I attended George Mason in Fairfax, Virginia, starting 2013. I, at the time, was only a global affairs major um, as a freshman. However, my interest in journalism communication brought about my double major, and I graduated in 2017, um, double majoring with my bachelor's. So at Mason, I would say, is where I really started getting involved in the foreign affairs space. I held like numerous on-campus positions relating to international students or just different international programming. And I would say the most prominent one was my time in South Korea. I was selected to be a international peer advisor on Mason, Korea, which is a satellite campus that our university had basically just opened just a couple of years prior uh, to me being flown out there. And the basis of my position there was to bridge the cultural gap between South Korean students, American students um, that were tra- studying abroad there, and just bringing more of the student life. Uh, we held numerous campaigns for like cultural awareness, um, as like South Korea is known to be like a homogenous society, whereas the United States there is basically a f- fluidity of cultures. So it was a very interesting time. It expanded my comfort zone for sure. And I definitely would not trade that experience for anything because it gave me insight into basically being in a sort of diplomat type of role, uh, not only representing the university, but also the United States too, um, in the perception. I So I graduated 2017 from Mason and Um, It was a little rough, I would say, after graduation because I was unemployed for a handful of months. And that's one of the things that I wasn't really anticipating because, you know, I felt I did well in school. I had great work experience relevant to my field I wanted to pursue. And I just was not hearing back from places, you know, applications and whatnot. So I was in a bit of a rut. Um, I was able to get hired at USIP uh, in January of 2018. I was um, on the 
countering violent extremism team as a program assistant. I've since uh, been promoted to senior program assistant, so that's uh, pretty good news. So it's been about two and a half years working with uh, my team there. Uh, as far as the work that we were involved in, I would say a bulk of it was with an entity called the Global Counterterrorism Forum. And it is a organization based out of the Netherlands and we helped with this, with coordination with the State Department's Counterterrorism Bureau implement regional workshops abroad on various counterterrorism issues. Uh, one of the main ones was our initiative on addressing uh, the challenge of returning families of foreign terrorist fighters. And this has pretty much been the uh, our track record uh, for the past two and a half years with our in an implementation of international workshops with various stakeholders, uh, NGOs, government officials, um, practitioners, uh, policymakers. So it covers a wide group of sectors, I would say there. Yeah, so definitely it sounds like a broad kind of broad different things that are all or broad different things you do that all center around how to actually be creating peace through uh yeah reporting on it mostly at the moment uh, but then also being there on the ground in terms of your team right so what what for you compelled you to get into peace building where did those interests originate from uh, it's pretty interesting actually i was always interested in marketing and business while growing up, but that all changed dramatically when I did an international exchange program to Japan. And this was when I was in high school. So um, the pro program was called High School Diplomats. And uh, first it was in Princeton University. And then the following year, we were given the chance to go to Tokyo and Kyoto, Japan. And that's where I was first introduced basically to the uh, foreign affairs space, diplomacy and whatnot. So that's what sparked my interest initially and uh, basically helped spearhead my trajectory going forward. Okay, so that, yeah, that original exposure is what led to you exploring the global affairs there in undergrad and I guess to where you've now gotten. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, if, if there are, anything else you could be doing? I know you mentioned marketing and business, but if there were anything else you could be doing, what would that be? My intent on double majoring at George Mason was in communication and global affairs is because I had this vision of becoming uh, a global correspondent. So a news correspondent, I had some experience with being on camera and, um, obviously, you know, journalism, reporting, and whatnot. So that was always a draw to me. Uh, I would say, as of right now, um, I would say that it's still something that is of interest to me, which hence why I am pretty involved in the public diplomacy kind of sphere and trying to understand that as it, I see it bridging kind of gaps of media communication relations while also you know global affairs too gotcha right so being able to take the work that you're doing uh, and translate that into 
exactly uh, more yeah the communications aspect of things right interesting so do you think that'll play itself out in terms of how do you think that'll play itself out like uh video getting into video kinds of production or maybe even further along podcasting space or i i definitely keep my options open i would say with my kind of current responsibilities now i'm not able to kind of go too too deep into any new endeavors but i mm. i enjoyed the on-camera element however that was uh, a bit nerve-wracking especially with um Tele, like reading teleprompters or making sure that you don't make any mistakes because right. you know things are live. Um, and this experience I had at Mason, I was a news anchor at one point on our campus, so uh-huh. that was a pretty interesting experience. I enjoyed it, um, but it kind of felt nerve wracking. So then I stuck to just kind of news writing, and um, I haven't really gotten into blogging yet, but I appreciate you know kind of more intimate blogs or of, you know, just personal accounts, whether it be from traveling or um, perspectives on certain issues that might be hot topics and whatnot. So uh, I definitely try to keep my options open there. Yeah. And I guess that all ties into, like you said, again, at the moment, the report writing work that you're doing right in your role. Mm -hmm. Is there anything outside of work that connects either to your job or to those interest that you were talking about? My interest in like, diplomacy and perhaps working with the State Department in the future um, as a public diplomacy uh, foreign service officer uh, or a public diplomacy officer, as they call it. So I would say that would be like a long-term goal that you know has been in my mind as of late that I would say is you know how I've kind of been moving towards that path and working at USIP, um, even though we are, we're basically what they call pseudo government. Uh, so we're not directly like a government agency, but we are funded by Congress and have many um, interagency agreements or funding from the State Department. So I'm kind of getting like a taste of that field and seeing the bureaucracy of it all. So, you know, seeing how that plays out. And I think I would see myself becoming a public diplomacy officer in the future. What, uh, for you, have there been any big challenges that you've already faced here in your career that you've had to overcome? I guess it's mostly been with USAP, but even within that, any, anything that you've, uh, struggles that you've had to overcome? Any challenges I would say came about if we were abroad at our one of our regional workshops that we would implement in uh, the international partners we would work with, uh, the issues that are often kind of projected outward. Um, and for instance, you know, the United States being invested in certain foreign issues that could also be applicable um, here at home, uh, there's been some challenges with, uh, you know, international partners kind of, you know, pointing their finger back at us, like, you know, well, you have these issues, you have, you know, you're trying to, you're coming here saying, you know, telling us you suggest this, suggest that, but, you know, how come that's not being, you know, that attention is not being granted, you know, domestically as well. So that's been a challenge. And uh, one of the ways just uh overcome it is definitely never 
deny or you know fabricate the real issues that we face here in the United States. Uh, but definitely, um, I've learned to come at it with a, like a like an approach that is being held accountable for you know accountability, basically um, understanding and admitting to the issues that we have at home and how it's important to have a concerted global effort to address these larger you know, systemic issues that um, inflict society in various different ways. Um, I would say that's one of the, you know, challenges of, or, you know, adapting to being in, you know, foreign settings while you also have, you know, issues at home. Right. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Is it interesting sometimes perspective, I imagine, to be coming somewhere and trying to work on issues in other areas when you know that uh, there are ones going on domestically as well so everybody kind of having their their focus area and not getting too distracted by how many problems there are in all the various areas is probably is important in doing all that yes there's been a lot of um especially as of late i can't imagine if we were traveling um around this time there would be this would probably be a lot of talk about you know i think you guys should be focus on what's going on in your country right now, which is, which would be valid. Um, mm. uh, but, you know, I, I appreciate those conversations I have with uh, our international partners and, you know, stakeholders and just people, um, citizens of other nations as well. And uh, just being honest about uh, these issues and adversities and how we can together overcome them. Is there any uh, are there any myths, any kind of common myths about global peace building that from your experience you've seen aren't true and that you want to debunk? Maybe nothing of uh of di- of direct like relation to like peace building itself or global issues, but I would say when I started at USIP, I was kind of taken aback to how just smart everybody was and accomplished um, experts from various uh, various fields and backgrounds, country experts. And I just thought everyone, you know, just had their stuff together. Everyone was just, you know, knew exactly, you know, what to do, what to say at all times. But I would say one of like the myths is that, you know, imposter syndrome is real. I've talked with people, of, you know, higher rankings that admitted that, you know, they too feel imposter syndrome of, you know, feeling that they don't, um, they're not worthy of, you know, worthy of being in this space or occupying the space or um, not as knowledgeable in certain fields and subjects. So uh, that made me feel better personally as um, as a person kind of climbing up the, the ladder to, of ranks. But I would say, you know, people in this field don't have the answers to, you know, everything, um, especially when it involves peace building itself. Uh, you know, the idea of world peace is uh, is a very aspirational kind of goal. And I think what USIP does, instead of saying, you know, world peace, we work towards making um, peace more possible, uh, mm. working towards that 
uh, goal instead of just saying uh, a blanket, you know, you know, we advocate for world peace, you know, that can fall on um, deaf ears. So right. I, I appreciate people being uh, honest in, in, a, in at least my USIP setting about, you know, what they're knowledgeable of, what they can, you know, learn more about. Because, uh, you know, it's a teamwork effort at the end of the day. Yeah, definitely something that can be uh, very aspirational, but hard to grasp onto if you aren't sure exactly what that looks like and how it could be done. Are there any kind of particular skills or interests that you've built or that you've seen are important? You were talking about having chatted with those that are further along. Anything that you feel those that are looking at this kind of work should be building? Uh, I know when I started uh, as an assistant, so this was my first my career job out of college. And I think one of the uh, things is that, you know, your first job or not even first job or maybe some of the tasks you will do isn't necessarily going to be things that you, you know, head over here is enjoy. So I would say some of the skills that I was not expecting to, you know, build on was like procurement skills, um, dealing with like financial services, um, a lot of the, the responsibilities of an assistant, at least at USIP for my team was uh, kind of drafting contracts, working with different vendors and um, other procurement responsibilities that I knew nothing about um, really going into it. Um, on a smaller scale, I had some experience, but when you're dealing with, you know, multi-million dollar uh, budgets or, or agreements with, uh, with funding from gov governmental funding, you know, it's like a whole nother ballpark. So uh, just kind of familiarizing myself, if I bef knew this now, before I started USIP, I would try to familiarize myself with uh, kind of government travel systems like Concur and, uh, we have reporting, financial reporting systems or databases like Pegasus and Momentum, uh, systems of that nature. And generally with assistant roles, you have a lot of like administrative tasks to do uh, that could be from like you know, logistical tasks, um, other kind of like in internal responsibilities as it, you know, varies per organization um, I know that like the more you you know put in the work in the beginning uh, the doors will open and you can start collaborate cross collaborations with different departments different teams and start being a part of more of the kind of substantive uh, work that is you know published outward from USIP to our larger global community so for you who would you say if there have been three people that have been the most influential to you, who, who would they be and what impact would you say they've had? So two of my, two people that come to mind are um, Ambassador Johnny Carson, who's actually like a senior advisor at the United States Institute of Peace. Uh, so I had the pleasure of working with him alongside him. Um, also, I would say his colleague, Ambassador Harry S. Thomas, uh, they were, they've been prominent African-American ambassadors, um, senior foreign service officers, the State Department. Uh, I would say they've 
imparted lots of great advice and uh, wisdom to me and how to navigate the space, uh, you know, the space right now um, through, you know, government means and diplomacy, things of that nature. I would say a last person outside of my current role, I would say Dr. Angela Davis, who's a you know, renowned activist, and I appreciate the conversations she's been able to start um, regarding kind of the systems that we've had in place that obviously have their own kind of issues and fractures that have deepened over time and how there's a need for um, ref true reform and, you know, just progressive, more progressive uh, outlook on these kind of rigid um, ingrained structures that helped, you know, build up our, what we now see as our economy or what we now see as our country. And yeah, I would say those three individuals are uh, definitely kind of role models I would see for myself. Um, definitely influ influential to me in going forward and the path I see myself in with international relations and foreign service. Yeah, important to have those mentors as you're looking out into the field as to what areas there are of need and uh, what to be focused on. If there were one thing that you could consider or that you would consider, oh, uh, if there were one thing that you could, uh, sorry, <laughs> if there were one thing uh, that you'd like to tell those considering working in the nonprofit sector, what would that thing be? Definitely have an open mind. I knew going into this kind of work, you would assume that, you know, everyone has, at least for me personally, everyone has, you know, similar kind of perspective or mindset, but um, that's definitely not the case, uh, especially within the nonprofit uh, industry. So definitely being open-minded and being willing to be flexible and adaptable while also, you know, remaining your own integrity, never compromise your own integrity for, you know, advancing certain projects or agendas and whatnot, but uh, definitely being flexible to uh, reach, you know, an, an ultimate, you know, end goal. Yeah, important to know that uh, there are a lot of different people in the field and a lot of different ways to get work done. And it's interesting how a lot of people have kind of the same or similar goals in mind, but discovering that there's more than one way to get there, I feel like is part of the adventure of being in the nonprofit sector, knowing everybody is in part mission driven, but what exactly that looks like to everybody is, uh, can mean something different based on the organization and people's experience and perspective, it seems. Right. And that's one of the you know, important parts of, you know, diversity in the work, workspace, diversity perspectives and, you know, backgrounds uh, that's, you know, proven time and time again to be effective in uh, like project and project management and uh, being successful in certain endeavors that you have, you know, with your team organization, or for instance, like the Institute itself. Right. Yeah, definitely being able to have different inputs, different ideas, different ways of 
solving problems, going about doing things uh, is what allows things to be successful beyond the potential echo box of one way of doing things. So where can our listeners connect with you if they'd like to hear more about your story, kind of the work that you're doing, anything along those lines? Well, yeah, so definitely happy to share um, my work email with everyone. It's uh, djordan at usip.org. And you can also find me on LinkedIn, um, where I've been able to connect with you um, as well, which is great. And uh, uh, definitely open to answering any questions, uh, any insight that I can share as well. And uh, just thank you for having me as well. Yeah. And for all the listeners, I'll have all the information uh, and how to reach Desmond down in the show notes. So check those out uh, to learn more about how you can reach him. Hey, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to today's show. Hopefully you learned something new about the work happening in the nonprofit sector and were inspired to get involved. If you liked what you heard, be sure to subscribe and leave a review wherever you're listening from. If you want to learn more about today's guest, how you can contact them and explore the organization they work for, check out the show notes. But that'll do it for this episode. Come back next time to hear from yet another aspiring altruist.